Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine Saturday matinee to you, Justin. That doesn't even sound like a yawn, does it? It's just me, like, humming. (laughs) What was that? It's like vocal exercises. Guttural chant. (laughs) Uh, It's your first time. JJ, thanks for getting up so early, man. Yeah, good morning. Good morning to you. 
How's uh, how's your movie life treating you? I did miss the film board episode of Blade Runner 2049. I was not able to see it in like the great new theaters, but I caught it before it escaped the cheap theaters. I went and saw it over here at the Valley Theater, which is not a nice theater. No. But wow. It was number one on the film board flick chart. It's a really great movie. And oh, I did I'm not so expect glad. to love it. Like, I, I think am... it's... I don't know if I've ever given a five star on. Oh yes, I think I did with Demolition, and I'm so I'm yeah. kind of weird, right? But yeah, um, I that was definitely a five star movie for me. It this was is just, one that's like, weird just because you agree with us. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It, and to be honest, I haven't listened to the show yet. I tend to not, you know, I tended to do that in my review and then yeah, I put yeah, it in right. my flick chart and this whole thing. But uh, it, it, uh, wow, like I wanted to stand up and cheer about once every forty seconds, every forty <laughs> seconds. It's that. that's so great. What do you what do you think uh, connected uh, connected with you? I on this one? oh gosh, because you're not like a Blade Runner guy, no, right? I mean, you're not like a Blade I Runner. Get, I mean, I get it. Where what why it matters in time? I get why it's important, you know, in history and all this stuff. But it it it, it I I never it never really emotionally connected with movie that with me. This movie was so perfect. I mean, it just felt pristine and special and like not insulting, which is a big thing for me, right? Uh, you know. It, it allowed me to be an audience member and, and take part in the discovery in the right kind of ways. I, it was just, everything was so beautifully shot. And so I mean, it just really felt perfect and artful. I, I, I loved it. I mean, oh. it literally hopped up into my easily top three from last year. That and Baby Driver. I, I still really love Baby Driver. But yeah, totally. I, I'm so, so glad I finally caught it. And I'm so glad I caught it, even though it wasn't a great theater screen. Yeah. I'm so glad I caught it on a bigger one. I mean, it's such a great movie. Everybody should see that movie. I, I'm, I I'm so now trying relieved. to figure out when I can show Blade Runner to my kids. My kids are six and eight, yeah. and that's ridiculous for me to be thinking so, about that at this stage, but it's that good. So you really like this one that much more than the original? <sighs> see, and I just think, I, I think it makes me feel more like I'm being unfair to the original. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because I think it, it's such a pure... I don't even want to call it an homage. It's a, such a pure extension of what the original was mm-hmm. that I think it it puts it in context in such a great way. I, I just never really... It, I wanted to understand the original much more. And be, because I went and saw the original before I saw this movie, this movie was really easy for me to kind of just get lockstep in when I saw it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It, it made me feel a lot better about the first one. So Denny, old Denny, he brings the brings his A game. Wow. Uh, so impressed. So impressed. I, I, when I make that comment about wanting to stand up and cheer, I, 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 I mean, I actually physically felt the need to do that a couple of times just because oh, yeah. it was like the kind of art in film that I'm looking for. That everywhere. opening sequence with Gosling and, and Batista, uh, when he go, oh, okay, goes to get Sapper yes. Morton, I, I uh, was just like riveted. I mean, I, that, that brought me into the movie. I just, I'll, it's one of those sort of cinema moments that I won't forget. Like it was just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I thought you... Bautista was great. I don't particularly yeah. like Ryan Gosling, but he was, I mean, perfectly cast yes. this movie. Yes. I mean, oh, so great. So, okay. And uh, okay. And just because I don't, I don't want to totally revisit the film board, but I'm curious on a couple of points. <laughs> One of the things that had always sort of disappointed me was that there was no, um, that, that I, I didn't feel like there was as much of a strong, uh, Rutger Hauer, uh, analog in this right. movie. That's true. Um, 
and and, and I, I missed that. That is I, that is sort of faded with me over time. But see, you, and that is something that, that I never connected thing? to, so I was fine. Okay, with that. I all didn't right. Need and what you where'd you stand on Jared Leto as uh, Niander Wallace as kind of the, hmm. the Are you asking architect? me about his performance or about what, how I felt about the character? Well, isn't he another one that you've always been a little bit lukewarm on? he's hot and cold. So he's like flip a coin for me. Like fight club okay. is brilliant. You know, yeah. Requiem is uh, amazing. Right. But in general, I don't always connect with him either. But I think one of the things that I thought interesting about what he brought to this role is that you, what he does as a rock star in what is it? 30 seconds to Mars. Is that the name mm-hmm. of the band? The yeah. Something singer? like that. Right. Right. I feel like that really informed his performance in the same way that, you know, like maybe Johnny oh, Depp so brought to, to uh, Captain Sparrow in the, the about he always says that's a you know he's channeling keith richards for his captain sparrow role i really felt like he was being his sort of like lead singer rock star in this role dispassionate <laughs> yet you know omniscient i don't know yeah. i i i liked it it, it it's it, everything was a, was a buy for me so that's so interesting now I, wait a second I, yeah. did you see the greatest showman did i see the great come on man did you Huge. like the greatest showman I love The Greatest Showman. <sighs> I know. I did not like The Greatest Showman. Look, I so here's the deal. The Greatest Showman, the I thought the music was terrific and I Ugh. think the result of the music I definitely had some problems structurally with the movie and you know, I feel like it they played fast and loose with just time and pacing yeah. and uh you know, but I think Hugh Jackman is a straight up song and dance man and he he was fantastic. Um you know, I liked all of the big uh, aerial moments, the effects, the the fun of the circus, it just made me feel good, right? Okay. And so a movie that makes me feel good in spite of its, you know, shortcomings um, is a movie that I'm, I'm in favor of. So, That's yeah, I, and, I had and, a great time. And I completely agree with your statement about Hugh Jackman. I actually really, really like Hugh Jackman a lot. I did not like the music. I couldn't find a number that was consistent throughout it. And the thing that was difficult... So, in general, I don't particularly like... Um, start to finish Moulin Rouge. And the, and the reason why is because when they sort of turn an environment that feels like a period piece into pop music for me, that's something that's quite difficult. And a lot of these numbers in this m- movie as a musical felt like they were not actually written appropriately for the mood that they were trying to convey. For example, the big Jenny Lind um, opera reveal mm-hmm. when she's singing Never, you know, Never Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's this kind of triumphant moment and yet then you have all of the imagery that they're using it is are the couples breaking up Mm -hmm. and that kind of sort of weird disconnect or or non-complimentary emotional to music feeling accompanied me through every number so i didn't have a favorite number and i really expect to love one of the numbers in the musical the one that got the closest for me is when they first as a circus perform and they're talking uh-huh. about come alive. Right? Yep. That one well, and the and the coda to that at the very end when he hands off the circus. Yeah. Uh, you know, and goes back to his family. And that's great too. And, you know, I thought then, that was just a great moment, a great climax. It was. It was. It, it, I liked the moments. That's true. But then, but then musically, I felt like it fell flat. The choreography I thought was really bad in the movie. Yeah. Um, they were actually choreographing to like underlying rhythms as opposed to like the general feel of what, and this is something, you know, that I haven't gone and see La La Land, right? And it's the same producers here. And see, it's because I love I'm, La La Land. I I'm really so did. worried that I'm going to bring this sort of hater. I think you will. I, I, finicky about yeah. this stuff 
that I know that I, I I'm not going to give it the appreciation that it deserves. Yeah, I think that'll be a hard watch for you. I really do. And and sure. La La Land, I love because of of the. I think it's a modern movie musical, and right. it doesn't end on an up note, and it's got a number of things going on for it. Like the entire third act is like a different movie. But for me, it it just hit me in the right place. I also like Gosling, and yeah, I generally like Gosling. like Gosling. And right. and so people who don't like Gosling, this is an easy one to put at the top of their reasons why I don't like Gosling list. <laughs> uh, but but I really do. And and so, uh, you know, I, the, the problem with that one was there wasn't enough music, right? It, it, right. it was a, a musical that didn't have enough music. They just played the same refrain over and over and over and over again. And yeah. and I, that's a problem I, I certainly have with it. But the movie as a whole and the message of the movie I, I really connected with. This one, now, um, I, I, the one of the major problems I have to forgive in this movie is that uh, P.T. Barnum was an ass, right? right? I mean, like the historic figure of P.T. Barnum is not the guy that I want to look up to. And this movie paints him as a guy that we want to look up to who wasn't a philanderer and a womanizer. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Hugh Jackman uh, puts on the skin of this sort of saintly P.T. Barnum, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> the, the bigger thing about the music, though, and I want to let that go, because after after we watched this movie, and we've been listening to the music a bunch around the house, uh, okay. I went back and listened to, I can't, now I can't remember what it was. It was either a Reply All or sorry, it was a, maybe a song exploder. It, it was on the manufacturing of pop music to be earworms, right? And I sat down yeah. with my kids and I said, we got to listen to this episode. Because what is going on in this music is... Uh, you know, it, it is sort of musical themes that are coded to, you know, for us to love it, right? right? I mean, it's it's music that, you know, when you hear it, if you know what's going on in the music, it's super easy to say, wow, that yeah. is pop music that is designed to be addictive, right? Yep. It's the crack of music. And doesn't and, that bother you? Uh, I mean, that and, kind of and, stuff bothers me when I yeah, hear no, it. Yeah, I know, I know. I see the strings. And, and and so I I actually find myself like I'm I'm pretty a, a pretty easy doper when it comes to this kind of music like I sure. get into it pretty quick and and uh, it, you know for example I enjoyed the Grammys this year and all the Grammys are entirely devoted to this kind of music right. and yep. uh, and and so it was you know for me I, it was fun and I totally respect how it it didn't connect with you I really do <laughs> well and now the people who made La La Land it, is it the same producers or actually the same like writers same whole team. I don't know. I now I need to check that. See, and because that's a that's kind the, of a sign. I didn't give it that much thought, <laughs> right? Because the whole like city of stars, right? And uh-huh. then, there were at least three or four different numbers in the Greatest Showman that all used the imagery of light and the lights and the stars. Um, <laughs> and again, I'm just looking for some sort of different. Like I, I well, want creativity. The, the songwriters are different. Okay, good. The songwriters. Okay, see, now I, I was assuming that it was all the same, and I was like, "Come on, guys!" No, no, no. And the story. Let's I mean, write a, a new Hollywood musical with a new story. theme song that's all about stars. Oh no, no. This is this is a real Hollywood story. I mean, these guys, these these two, the songwriting partners, as the story goes, as told by Hugh Jackman on a talk show I watched. Yeah. Uh, the the um, uh, John Debney and and. Joe Trapanese yeah. uh, are these two guys who are really young, and they're like just out of school, oh, or grad school them, or something. And, that's good. And 
and they wrote these these songs and brought this story and were brought in to do the music for this story and the producers kept saying we got to find you know the, love the idea now we got to find some seasoned sco- uh, songwriters um, for this thing and tried oh. to shop it around and they kept coming back to these guys and when All they right. did a, a read uh, of the of the music in just a rehearsal room for the production team with the entire assembled cast, including Hugh, um, you know, they, uh, uh, as the story goes, um, uh, what's uh, Kiela Settle uh, stood mm. up to do her Bearded Lady song. Yeah. And when she finished, one of the producers walked out of the audience and gave her a hug and said, you just, you just booked yourself your first Hollywood movie. Like it was, it is a, it is the stuff. Yeah, those of, are sweet stories. Like, they're That's sweet good. stories. And so like, it feels very much like a Hollywood story. And so I, I am such a sucker for that kind of stuff. I really am. And I, I know I'm, I, I'm on way on the sucker end of our, of our community when it comes to that those kinds of things like the um, book written for valerian it, <laughs> right right so <laughs> I, I and i thought rebecca ferguson i thought she was sweet and uh, you know zendaya did a great job zach efron is a, a huge talent uh, uh, you know and and i think he's you know he's a young he's a young man and i think he's going to do a lot uh right. you know he's he has an, an enormous skill set uh, oh yeah, and and what a great pairing between him and Hugh Jackman. I mean, huge. They were yeah. perfect, you know, next to one one another. <laughs> so there were a lot of things about it that I that I, I wanted to like I really it. I, my expectations were probably too high. Yeah, well, maybe. And again, I'm super finicky with me. Still, I get it. I yeah. totally get it. Cool. Um, we got you know we got a big uh, month coming up. Uh, okay. Really, I mean, here we are, we're in February and oh, February. Yes, February is, for sure. It's Black Panther weekend. Yeah. Uh, and not only is it Black Panther weekend, it's game night weekend and Annihilation weekend. They're all opening the same weekend. And Black Panther is still, uh, according to Variety this morning, uh, it is, uh, they're targeting $152 million. It could beat Deadpool's record uh, back in 2016 for a President's Day weekend opening. Uh, Black wow. Panther is going to be huge. And the, the okay. early, early feedback is stunning like stunning that this is this is the movie this is the first superhero movie that is resonant what first are you reading any of this stuff are you seeing this the kind of the, i'm the seeing it i you know I, I'm, I'm still worried i'm really excited that we're going to see it and we're going to talk about it on the film board because yeah i you know i i've seen i would say i've seen all the trailers and teasers that have come out about it and i would say a good uh, maybe only about 30% of them have gotten me really excited about the movie. Um, the rest of them, I get picky and I don't want to be picky, but you know, when stuff feels redundant in the trailers, I get really nervous about the way things are going to come out in the movie. So, um, but I'm super well, it excited. Was, it was pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet until the, until the premiere last week. And yeah. uh, all of a sudden, it is. No, it's, it, it's just like blown up. Yeah, the, the that was. The, I just. I can't think of a movie that has done. Um, well, I, I think it's probably going to be good. Right. I think I'll probably enjoy it, but I can't think of a movie that's had a better paced um, uh, press tour than this one. I think they're just they're just handling the the sort of release and the early buzz of it so so well. That's uh, cool. It, clearly, you know the Marvel marketing engine at work. Hey. they're they're good at this stuff. Yeah. They're built to succeed. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this uh, you know, I think he, Chadwick Boseman. This is the you know, if, uh, we we already like Chadwick Boseman. Like we're already predisposed to liking just him. 
Yep. Whether or not we've like the movie, we've seen some movies with him in it. This is going to put him. He's he's going to be a, a a star after this movie, and I think he's going to. You know, in in ten years, we're going to be talking about. Gosh, Chadwick Boseman is is pulling a Captain America. You know, he wants now he wants to get out, but he's stuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's interesting. His, you know, I don't. You know, I don't want to go too deep into it, but Black know. Panther is the as in the as the character in the Marvel universe doesn't necessarily hold that kind of Captain America role there. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do especially in terms of the Avengers. Like he's been a, you know, a guest star on the Avengers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what, when we talk about the Avengers engine and like what they're building there, they're doing that so that they can bring in different people at different times. I mean, all this whole stuff about the setup for phase four that they're doing, it's going to be interesting to see who those people are um, and how they do it. Well, and I think culturally, like where we are as a civilization, uh, I, I think this is a movie we need, right? And... I think there is a lot of headroom for for Marvel to come back and say, you know what, even though this character has been this in the comic universe, we need him to represent something different in the cinematic universe. And people clearly like him. And yeah. therefore, I think we're going to see more of him. That's, that's my, I, it's my hunch. Not a prediction I, so much as a hunch. I, I think you're probably right. I'd be okay with that. He's badass. Yeah, his, the stuff he's got, the tools that, that we've seen thus far are pretty yeah. exciting. They're really exciting. He yeah. sticks his fist into that car real right. well. That's amazing. I want to yes. do that. <laughs> uh, the, the other one, the, the, the only other little bit of news before we get into the big stuff that I thought sure. was really interesting. I'm curious about this. Annihilation. Have you seen <laughs> okay. the trailer for Annihilation? <laughs> yes, I have. This is the Natalie Portman gig, right? She, she goes into the big jelly yeah, forest. Natalie and, yes, yes. You know, yeah. We, I, you know, we like Natalie Portman. I'm I am looking forward to this movie mainly because wow the sound they use in the trailer you know it's like wow wow you know that yes that, it's that the wow wow something that <laughs> wow wow is amazing and I just want to listen to I'm going to meditate to it and go to sleep to it and wake up to it it's awesome and it turns out I don't Annihilation think that's the Paramount, desired effect yeah right totally the meditation. Paramount made a deal with Netflix in December for Netflix to handle the international release of Annihilation. Okay. I don't I don't quite understand that. So it's opening here big on Presence Day weekend. Yeah. And then Netflix is doing it everywhere else but the United States. So you can just watch it at home oh. on Netflix? That what? what? Is that is that a real thing? I, what do we think of that? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? I don't know. Is there still that kind of international segmentation know. in the world? I mean, I thought globalization actually was going to help us eliminate stuff like that. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought so too. I don't. Uh, I I don't quite get it. Is this movie not like just scary Ghostbusters? I I don't know. Or it's like or it's <laughs> like the most recent way, version of Ghostbusters meets much. Arrival. Yeah, like I don't know. Uh, I, maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it's Ghostbusters, Girl Ghostbusters plus Arrival. That's it, Annihilation. Okay. So I've seen okay. the trailer, and obviously, you know, it's it's meant to be a thriller, right? So it doesn't necessarily hit with me in general. I'm not looking to go get scared when I go see a movie. And clearly, that's what they're trying to do here. Um, but I loved Arrival. Like, it blew my mind when I yeah, saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it with Tommy and Darnell in L.A., and it was just yeah. like, Wow. Like yeah, it was fantastic. another revelation in film. I just can't imagine that this movie is going to be that way. 
think there's a I think there's a chance this is going to be this is going to be strong. It doesn't have I I'm worried about it. The thing I'm worried about is I don't think anybody has seen it. Like it it hasn't festivaled. Yeah. It hasn't like there's no there there's no pre-rating for it, you know. Sure. Um there's there's some built up kind of intensity for it. But yeah, I mean I'm looking at IMDb and the release dates are, are you know all internet uh in March. So yeah. USA February 23rd and you know Belgium Turkey internet. Uh, in March. So I think that's really interesting. I don't know if that bodes well um, for the movie because I'm super curious about it. uh, And it's a little bit disappointing that uh, to hear that it's, uh, you know, it's effectively getting, I I don't know, shoehorned into digital elsewhere. Yeah. The, the, the the trailer and the storyline, everything reads like a pretty straightforward, like, um, gonna scare you movie with some kick-ass mm-hmm. women actresses in it um, i'm all for that yeah they should make good movies like that it's just I'd like uh, to see clearly not gonna be a movie like that. that i'm gonna go see <laughs> <laughs> all right all right fair enough let's talk about trailers okay why don't you go first as okay if, as if this is your first time waking found up it this early. first time on the set matt found it really yeah. difficult to to figure out a movie with a trailer that you guys haven't already talked about <clears throat> had a bunch of false starts into, with the, that. into the rhythm yeah yeah I'm, you know i'm doing the whole crick in my neck thing trying to figure out the right way to go but i found this movie called aardvark and you had said didn't you say you hadn't heard of it when i brought it up i had not heard of it i aardvark. can't believe it I, I, maybe i've heard of it maybe i don't know it was uh uh it, it was it felt like news to me i certainly hadn't seen the trailer and i was very surprised to see who was in it yeah i'll tell you i watched a lot of trailers this morning so um this one it was particularly interesting. I think the the headliner here is really John Hamm, uh, but also Zachary Quinto. Quinto, you know, you know him as yeah, Spock Zachary from Quinto. the yeah. from the new Star Trek reboots, and then Jenny Slate, which is kind of fun too, playing um, a psychologist here. Um, I think it's really interesting. Most of the th- things that I see coming up about it, people are comparing it to Split, which I don't think is necessarily fair. If you've seen Split, which we talked about on the film board, the movie that it got me excited about or made me think of is 1994 bruce willis the color of night have you seen that oh it's been so long oh so my goodness long. yeah color it's of night ever ago right um yeah it's it, it it's a psychological drama i guess uh, color of night is mystery romance thriller somebody who totally messes with bruce willis's head but also has a little bit of a romantic and i guess i'm actually talking about like a sexual uh, at, at part to it, then that's definitely mm-hmm. coming up here in Aardvark too, which I didn't expect from Jenny Slate, who I've known for yeah, right. comedy. Um, so this is, the movie seems interesting to me. It seems like there, I have no idea why Aardvark is the title. Aardvark shows up in the trailer kind of strangely at the end, an actual Aardvark. Um, <laughs> so, so weird. Feel like that was so weird. I feel like that's going to come into play at some point, which is interesting to me. The trailer, the line uh, uh, on IMDb about it is: "The Aardvark has evolved to be one of a kind." You could say the same of Josh Norman. I that doesn't do anything for me. That nope. in general, the actors who are in it seem interesting to me, and. If you watch the trailer, which I think everybody should, and now you have this morning, I think it will really pique your interest. Um, there's some weird stuff going on. And it's if you like sort of uh, twisty-turny dramas, is that's what this, they're setting this one up to be. Something where you don't know everything on the front end of it, and you're going to go through it trying to figure out what's going on. And it looks like it could be fun. I don't know that I'll see it in the in the theater, which you said that we can't find a release date for it, right? 
Did I look for a release date for it? I haven't looked for a release. Did I? Release date I 21, April, oh, 2017, April 2017, it says, which yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense because yeah. the trailer just came out this week. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's something people can find out there. You should see that. You should look at the trailer. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. why I'm bringing it here to the sat mat because all these people that we know about and that we like in a movie that seems really interesting and strange and we didn't know anything about it. So... Totally. That's why I don't I know. It's Brian Schoff, uh, written and directed by Brian Schoff. I haven't seen anything that Brian Schoff has done, I don't think. Uh, I don't and nothing sounds either. terribly familiar. Uh, I, I feel like this really piqued my curiosity, if only because I picked Beirut as my trailer last week with John Hamm, and suddenly John Hamm is in everything. You know, he was like he was like famous as a second string and the million dollar arm guy, um, but uh, suddenly he's in, it feels like he's in everything with um, a whole bunch of stuff coming out that it feels like may have been shelved over the last year for some reason or another, like he's got two or three movies uh, this one sure that, feels that are like coming that. one after another. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's that's been around but hasn't hit like it was festival it was in festivals and all kinds of things and now he's got a number of movies aardvark and nostalgia and beirut and all coming out at the same time so this is going to be the year of john ham and and uh, again if this doesn't give him that next sort of kick into it's probably going to kick him into clooney territory you know that john ham yeah he's another one who's on my list of best friends who haven't met me yet i think we'd be tight i know that john ham and the aforementioned baby driver he was playing yep. you know off character in that and i thought that was perfect yep. totally 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 so i'm i'm very excited about it kelly slate i gotta say speaking of marvel you know she's coming up in venom in an unnamed character really uh, with um um you know what's his name uh, tom, hardy. Uh, tom hardy yeah, yeah. uh wow venom is yeah. kind of so, so venom is fox right venom's not really marvel disney Venom yeah, is, it's, is it's Fox. Funny, it's one of those funny crossovers, right? After the whole Fox, uh, and 20th Century Fox. The early promotion ch- about change. it is really kind of rebellious. I don't know if yeah. you've seen how Tom Hardy is approaching it. Tom Hardy's like taking Venom on his back and saying, this is the guy. You guys yeah. need to see this. Like yeah, he right. wants to be part of the Marvel Universe. And oh, I think totally. it's great. I, I like Tom oh, Hardy, yeah. so I'm super excited about that. So Jenny Slate's going to be in that, too. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy cast, right? Not just yeah. Tom Hardy, but Michelle Williams, talking about The Greatest Showman. There you go. Uh, Tom Holland is uh, apparently going to bank an appearance in, gotta, in gotta, it as gotta be Peter it. Parker, which, right. of course, he has to do that. But um, it, it's it, it's really interesting that, you know, especially given all the studio legalities that are going on right now, that, that they... You know, it wouldn't have surprised me if if Tom Holland hadn't been in here for some reason or right. another. Woody Harrelson, Riz Ahmed. You know, we've talked about Riz a number of times. Uh, and Michelle Lee. Um, it, it's a it's a solid cast. It, it I think it could be a really cool, really cool film. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. So speaking so, of superheroes, anyway, yeah. What about your trailer? Oh, your that was a segue for me, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I like this I totally podcast that. thing. I am very, more of it. very excited about this. It's, it, <laughs> oh, man. I, I was so, I, I really loved the first one. Uh, Ant-Man was fantastic, and the yes. trailer just dropped for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Evangeline Lilly gets a big uh, boost in this movie, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. Uh, the trailer was, uh, it was a, a lot of flash, right? You don't get a whole lot of it, of 
you know, story. It's a lot of, hey, look, we can make things big and small. And you gave her wings. You know, we get a little flash of the wings. We don't see much of Walton Goggins. Very excited. He's in there as Sonny Birch. Don't know. I, you know, I'm not as familiar with this this thing. Is Sonny Birch a, a you know, lore character? Not that I know of, no. But it must, I mean, it's got to be, right? They, they would, yeah. like, jump out there. I mean, it the fact that like you've it, got yeah. all of a sudden Michelle Pfeiffer coming in as Janet Van Dyne. Wow. Yep. Huge. Huge. Uh, Paul Rudd, I have really enjoyed him in this uh, in this character. And, man, that guy's doing some fantastic stuff right now, not just inside of, uh, inside of Marvel, but some of the other things he has coming out, um, you know, uh, you know he's mute. Uh, yeah, is in post. Oh wait, is that a real trailer? Because I watched. That yeah, that's a real today, trailer. And I wasn't sure if it was real or not. <laughs> that's a real. It trailer. didn't look real. I know. Paul Rudd and um, mute. Uh, he's he's just got a number of things coming out that look really <laughs> crazy good, and so I'm I'm excited to yeah. to see what he's uh, what he's up to. And so this this trailer looked good. It capitalizes on everything I loved about the first Ant Man. Everything I love about the character and just the toy uh, of Ant Man that he can get really big and get really small. They finally really go big on big. Yeah. Uh, and and so I'm excited about that. And. You know, as I said, he gave her wings and blasters. Right, <laughs> such a great bit in the trailer. Such a great bit. So uh, I'm I have watched this trailer a number of times. I love it. I love the little tiny or the building that shrinks down into a brief a wheeled briefcase. That's such a great little visual gag. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting July sixth, twenty first, twenty. 2018 for this one. If you were uh, able to pull a- in the individual Marvel properties into their own yeah. sort of trilogy groups, I think they're they're going about this one in a perfect way. I one thing about Ant Man, if you go back to the um, the film board episode on it, I, I didn't particularly like it, but it has aged very well with me. It's actually probably oh, I'm so glad. behind the Guardians movies. It's probably one of my favorites um, because the stuff that I did like from it, even on first viewing, is just really. It, it's it's unique and it's yeah. and it needs it it needs attention. The whole Michael Pena stuff. It's just there's a lot of brilliance to it. And I actually did. Now I don't know. You probably don't want to talk about this here, but we had talked about on the show that you know Peyton Reed as a director um, was not necessarily didn't necessarily have a style and whatnot. But I went back and did some reading about the things that he's done and when he's been brought into movies and. It, specifically MTV did an expose on how Peyton Reed came to bring it on and, mm-hmm. and bring it on was brought out as this movie that everybody thought was a big joke because it's this here, it's this is this teen thing about cheerleaders and stuff. And they brought in Peyton Reed and what Peyton Reed's kind of mark was is that he could turn it into a subculture film that was also clever and kind of funny. So he was able to do this kind of deadpan, Hey, cheerleading is of course inherently funny in the way that everybody stereotypically attached to this movie, but it's also kind of cool. And he gave it a style and then also was able to give these clever comedic bits in throughout the movie and bring it on was it's smash. And when you look at Ant-Man, that's what he's doing to the comic book genre. That's the kind of unique thing that he brings to this because, you know, people would say that they've taken the Marvel universe and said, let's, let's, make some genre movies out of it and we're going to bring mm-hmm. Ant-Man in and it's going to be the comedy. So what Peyton Reed did as a director, this is now, a, you know, my sort of post analysis, my retrospective mm-hmm. 2020 looking back and saying what he did is take a movie that they maybe handed him that was meant to be just jokey and made it both cool 
and jokey in a way that's so subtle that I think is actually kind of special. So um, I didn't know him before Ant-Man. I didn't think it was special when I saw it in the theater, but again, it's aged real well and I have a newfound respect for what they do. And so I'm super excited about this because it looks like a number two in the realm of sequels that that's, does it perfectly for like taking the gags, taking the toys and showing them all to you in the way that you want to see in the number two. Yep. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly my thought. I love that uh, about Peyton Reed. I want to go back and watch that because, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, we have some, some stuff to learn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, uh, July 6th, 2018. I'm looking forward to this as much as I have been looking forward to Black Panther in terms of the what's coming out from Marvel. I feel like I'm not even thinking about the Infinity War stuff anymore. Which is crazy. Uh, Isn't this the first movie of Phase 4? Oh, yeah. So Black Panther is the last of Phase 3. Oh, Infinity Wars is the first of Phase 4. Got it. Yes. Interesting. Infinity War is first of Phase 4. Ant-Man and the Wasp is second. So Ant-Man, then Captain Marvel, uh, and then we've got some untitled and other sequels. Pretty awesome. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Okay. I think it's time, JJ, to embark upon our lists this week. How do you feel about the list? Did you have an okay time? Was it a better time coming up with your list than it was your trailer? <sighs> so I don't know. Again, I don't know the format. So I'm, I'm guessing here, and I don't know that... I mean, what I did in approaching this list game that you guys like to play, and I think I like to play it too, was I, I tried to create too. a big pool with which to draw from, I don't think my pool is particularly special. I think that a lot of it might be uh, overlapped by stuff that other people would pick. So I'm happy that it's just you and me here because I think that (laughs) uh, my list will have more value based on the fact that it's just you and me. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, I'll take. So where? How do we start? Uh, well, we I I, th- I would like to give you the uh, the choice. If you'd like to go first as the uh, as the first timer, it is all yours. If you'd like to, no, I said uh, I, think, I think you know you should start. And our topic is again live action people that are interacting with hand drawn animation in film. Yes, and okay. hand drawn, yeah, hand drawn two D animation. That was the important <gasps> uh, uh, the important piece that we wanted to make sure is is there because, of course, we're talking about uh, Mary Poppins, which is uh, legendary for right. its use of two D and the uh, sodium vapor process uh, to do the early uh, mat uh, screen. Um, matting to integrate these technologies. It was really fantastic. We talked all about it in Mary Poppins and our show on Mary Poppins this week. And, and so this is this list is to celebrate uh, the integration of 2D and live action. Sounds tasty. Very tasty. So my first pick, which so, I'm actually yeah. really glad that I'm going first, is because okay. I brought it up on the show this week. And it is possibly my very favorite, uh, even more favorite, than Mary Poppins for its use of animation is Bedknobs and Broomsticks, the oh. 1971 film from I've Robert Stevenson, writers Ralph Wright. Oh, totally great. It's particularly great because David Tomlinson is in it, uh, uh, you know, who's obviously in, uh, he's Mr. Banks. And, yeah. and Mary Poppins is, it hit me in such a different way this time watching it. I, I, I get it. I feel like I get it. It's <laughs> as Mr. Banks' story. And so to, to come in and uh, see a, a film with David Tomlinson in it again is fantastic. But Angela Lansbury is Miss Price is wonderful. Roddy McDowell, Sam Jaffe uh, is just a, a great cast. Really fun animation. They, the you know taking this this bed uh, you know under the sea into the island, and I, I mean it's just a, a great adventure um, that that I think is in some ways a lot more sort of frivolous than Mary Poppins is. But uh, yeah. but it, it is as uh, certainly as much fun. 
So that's my first pick, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. What's the big song from it? What would I know from the song from it? Well, see, all I can think... We just watched Mary Poppins as a family last night, so all I can think of <laughs> is Mary Poppins music. So I can't give you one right off the top of okay, my head. Uh, I don't, but it, I remember it was not that memorable, um, the, the music. Uh, okay. But you should definitely see it and watch it with your kids. They'd have a blast. Okay. Um, I will. Um, it's the same. It's the same. I I, like like it the, the story, Ralph Wright and Ted Berman did the story, but Bill Walsh and Don DeGrady did the, the screenplay. Yeah. These guys are the same guys behind Mary Poppins. Oh. So, I mean, it really has the same sort of heart and spirit. It is what it is. But it's a great example of that integration, and it's super, super fun. So, what is your number three, <sighs> Counting Down? Well, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm uh, and I probably should stop surfing the web as much as I'm doing while you're talking, but I'm, you know, looking for my uh, mine on the list, and I'm finding other ones that I want to talk about too. So I guess the first <laughs> one that I was, I'm going to put my least cheating one in in the mix here, which is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I, I feel like yeah. it's so, I feel like it's not even creative because, of course, right? That's that's the movie, but that's that's the essence of what we're looking for on this list, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's what we're looking for on this list. Sure. Yeah, I, and I think it's a special movie. Um, do, do people reference it a whole lot? Only when talking about Jessica Rabbit, right? There's literally no other lasting impact of Roger Rabbit on the world other than Jessica Rabbit. I think you're. I think you may be picking a fight with Andy because I think he really, really loves that movie. And, oh, that's good. Uh, I, I it to me, it's I, I. I didn't have that same connection with Roger Rabbit, even Jessica Rabbit. Oh, really? Well, see, I feel like she's the icon. I, I feel like she's yeah. the thing that lasts from this movie. But that's interesting if he likes it so much. I, I appreciate yeah. that. I was I was saying that I think it deserves more attention from that because I think it was it was a special concept in the story that isn't really found in anything, especially for the topic of this list when we're talking about real life interacting with 2D in animation, the concept of a tune killed my uncle. No, tune killed my a tune killed my dad mom i don't remember that's See? Bob look Hoskins. i don't even remember exactly See? yeah <laughs> you're right but i think in essence it's the it's the key movie to have on this list because it in a very meta way is approaching what real life means to interact with animation uh, I think it's a great choice, and it's a very uh, it, it it ends up being a, a sweet choice, which is good counter to my second film. Okay. I made so many Ralph Bakshi uh, jokes in our in the the prequel that I'd like to see of Mary Poppins, you know, which is of you know Bert and Mary actually meet in a seedy dive bar on a port town, and <laughs> and the animation is all Ralph Bakshi stuff, like you know Fritz the Cat and and and. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awful, and I'm a terrible person for thinking those things, but I find that really funny. But in honor of that, I have to choose a Bakshi movie, uh, who is sort of legend behind doing these just sort of racially charged, uh, um, kind of underground animation, and uh, I haven't seen many of them, uh, but uh, and I, I haven't uh, I, I haven't actually seen Fritz the Cat, of all things, but I have seen um, this one, which is Heavy Traffic, Whoa. 1970. Uh, okay. R-rated uh, film. It's a story of an underground cartoonist, as IMDb puts it, contends with life in the inner city where various unsavory characters serve as inspiration for his artwork. And uh, it's it ends up being just sort of a, a 
crazy uh, experience. These are definitely the most adult, Whoa. Um, you know, animated pieces that you will have ever seen. Uh, <laughs> but I think he has a, a he's a really interesting um, artist, this Ralph Bakshi, and and I think what he's uh, what he brings to um, you know to the world is is something worth uh, at least talking about, if if not loving. Heavy traffic. I wasn't aware of it. That's something that's completely new for me. Excellent. Well, there were a couple that are also new to me in his uh, in his catalog. I don't know if you've you know I I don't want to. I'll tell you about my bucket list after I uh, after we finish, so I don't steal any of yours. But uh, uh, oh. anyway, this is this is one that's you know it may be worth seeing if you're into this kind of thing. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Wait. How many are we supposed to have on our list? I should say that three first. three total. Three. Okay. So the next one. I didn't have on my list until I started shopping here on IMDb for information about the films that were on my list. And I'm going with Space Jam. Space Jam. From 1996. Oh. And it's actually kind of getting a little bit of a renaissance right now. There's a, th- this thing in comedy where all of a sudden everybody's starting to reference Space Jam again. And there was there was actually a song that came out with Space Jam that's actually, you know, it's got a little bit of the old school hip hop thing to it that people are like now not necessarily hating on in the way that they would have when it was just a punchline. But uh-huh. the Space Jam, if you like Warner Brothers and you like the Warner Brothers cartoons, it's not a bad movie if you go to it with that idea in mind. I will say that I went with some of our mutual friends in the, uh, I think it was the theater in Boulder, just south of Baseline, the cheap theaters there. Just went and okay. saw it by our, it was wild and crazy why would we pick space jam and i had a really great time seeing it in the theater one of my favorite things in the movie bill murray in the movie interacting with everyone you know loving in a very sycophantic way on michael jordan but in 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 addition interacting with all the the animated cartoons as we are wearing throughout the movie what's known well it's the St. Paul Saints of of Minnesota, uh, a baseball team that's in the Winter League, uh, at, which he was a big fan of. And uh, it felt like a little tone of home when I was away at college in 1996. And I think it's a special movie that, uh, that again, most people make fun of. But it's getting a little bit of a renaissance. People starting to like it. People starting to remember. There, you can actually buy Toon Squad gear now. Wow. There's merch out there from Space I, Jam I, now. Yeah, I feel like I... Yeah, I would not. Uh, well, I wouldn't purchase them. Not really. I'm not really the audience. My memory See, of that movie is that. very I fragile. Okay, fragile in what way? Like I, I have these little bits of it, but you know, when you remember something too often, the memory changes, and sure. so uh, I, I feel like it's probably not the movie I remember. I do remember that the website, the the original Space Jam website, I, I think it's still alive. Uh, that you can go, you can go see it. Um, and it, it is like the earliest examples of HTML. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, if you just go to spacejam.com, it'll take you to warnerbrothers.com archive Space Jam. And that was the original um, website. They've never changed the website. And I'm so glad that they left it up there um, because it's ridiculous and fantastic and we've come a long way. And so unrelated to the movie at all, I adore the fact that the that Space Jam, the website, is still there with its astral background. Oh, wow, background I'm looking and, at it right now. This is amazing and i will tell you that in 1996 i didn't even know that there was an internet so yeah right right this is this was progressive very i think it's great and and if you go to the warner studio store um well i get the frame doesn't load but it still has the early html (laughs) frames frames. yeah yeah (laughs) it's so good it's so good so 
anyhow, uh, link in the show notes. If you can't remember spacejam.com, it's, it's fun to tool around there. That's okay. Fun. What's your number right. three now, right? Yeah. Well, this is number one because we're counting down. Oh, this is, gosh. you know, supposedly our Simple favorite. Mechanics. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite, but I, I had a hard time narrowing down the last one, and I think I'm going to go uh, with Twilight Zone, the movie. Okay. Now, Twilight Zone, the movie, wasn't an entire uh, exploration of animation next to, you know, uh, live action, but there is a segment in Twilight Zone, uh, Twilight Zone, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> she's great, Twilight Zone, uh, that is called It's a Good Life. Uh, where which is apparently a remake. I, I was never much of a, a follower of the original uh, TV show, but uh, uh, the episode "Nightmare as a Child" um, and uh, of the TV show, and uh, young Anthony uh, is a, a boy who sends his sister into a television set, right? And she is pursued and eaten by cartoon monsters. Oh, geez. Uh, and I just, I, that is one of those, in addition to, you want to see something really scary, mm. uh, the opening sequence um, that that I just thought was so great with Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd, uh, that is a, a very clear memory I have of the movie, and this one, where the, the girl is, like, standing uh, in fear next to these cartoon you know, creatures with axes and things and that, that yeah. butcher knives and things. It's just really, really scary. And I think it was, a, uh, it was seeing it as a young, young person, it was uh, particularly horrifying. Uh, and so uh, I, that's my, that's my last pick is uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, this segment, It's a Good Life. See, I feel like your picks are far more informed than mine. That's great. That's really interesting that they, that, that they're, and, and happy that you actually have that visceral memory because you like scary things. I don't. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm um, trying so hard. I'm yeah, trying so that, hard. So my third movie, and I guess my number one movie, it, it, I feel like I'm cheating with this movie a little bit, but I particularly oh, like Fantasia 2000. So, and I don't know if in the initial Fantasia they actually had the interactions between between live actors and 2D animation, mm-hmm. but in Fantasia mm-hmm. 2000 they re- in every introduction to every song, which each each of the songs is completely animated, but they use. Uh, well-known musicians, orchestra musicians and and actors and different people to introduce the different songs. And many of them are interrupted by uh, your favorite Disney characters. Uh, Donald takes a shower. <laughs> yeah. Mickey comes to direct a bunch of different things. So I feel like it's kind of cheating because I don't know, actually, it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have the same purpose behind it as definitely what you're talking about with the Twilight Zone. But I, Fantasia 2000 is something that we showed my boys when they were very, very young mm-hmm. to, it's all very wonderful classic m- music. Um, and to get them in, interested in the depth of music with through animation. And I really, really like it. I think the concept of what Walt Disney was trying to do with the Fantasia idea to create this sort of living time capsule that can go on and attach different animation with different classical music and whatnot. I think it's brilliant and I, th- and I appreciate it. And I think it's something that everybody should see. And I don't know that everybody really has seen it. Um, to be honest, I, I have, I have on, not, I have it on VHS. So, oh. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's kind of special and it's, you know, it holds a, a, a special place in my heart and you get, you come away with it every you know, kind of in when you look at different Disney movies too. You look at the way that different animators approach different things. Um, one of my favorite Disney movies is 
Atlantis, uh, because something that's a kind of hallmark that I've learned as a hallmark of Disney movies is that different animators work on different characters. And in Atlantis, you actually see, you can kind of feel the different animators for the different characters in the main squad there. Well, something about Fantasia 2000 is that they have a different animation team working on every concept for each song too so it ends up to be a really beautiful piece of art in the way of music in the way of animation and in the union of the two and it's really great for the whole family and there is a lot of live action people interacting with 2d animation in their introductions for each of the songs uh i have not seen it and so if if you're cheating i don't know about it until i see it and then it'll be too late so i think it's a pass (laughs) I win. Well, not win. win. It's not a competition. You win. Yeah. Oh, it's a competition. Deep down, somebody's keeping score. I achieved. I satisfied the requirements. Yay. Yeah, you did. You (laughs) You met minimum, uh, (laughs) you met the bar. Yeah. It was a good list. It was a fun list. And my, you know, I don't know, I had a bucket list that was was fairly long. Uh, You know, things like Cool World and uh, Coonskin, those are also some Ralph Bakshi ones that I, that that jumped up. Oh, Cool World Uh, is Ralph Bakshi too? Yeah, yeah, okay. and um, uh, the incredible Mister Limpet yes. uh, was another early one. Song of the South, super racist. Now hard to <laughs> uh, hard to kind of watch, but uh, um, I, I don't even know if we could find it. Uh, the Three Caballeros is an early one that that had some of some of these again from the uh, very early days. Um, I, I was also struggling uh, not to use nine to five. Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, when Lily, Lily Tomlin. I don't, I, I don't remember. Lily the Tomlin either. fantasizes about killing Dabney Coleman, <laughs> and she's dressed as Cinder as uh, Snow White, and the the Disney birds help her to to poison him. Very cool. Uh, and so it's it's a very brief sequence right. uh, in the movie, but it is it does fit the fit the requirement. Well, so and then my of course, list. last action hero. Uh, oh. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. His his smart talking. Um, uh, cat sidekick detective right. uh, from the <laughs> movies that that he's in also sort of fits. So I, I almost did that, uh, but uh, uh, you know, a little girl getting eaten by cartoon monsters was too much for my much bucket lists stuff. were less um, less applicable. Um, but so I'm glad that I found ones that actually were what the requirements were, and that was like Yellow Submarine, which I think oh is yeah perfect yeah fantastic um, yeah. and uh, I. You know, there's not a whole lot of interaction. I guess that would be a lot of the cut right. animation is cut animation and things. So yeah, totally. I don't know if it belongs. And then the other one I, I had on my list, which again isn't necessarily appropriate, but was Grease, just because of the opening sequence and all the animation that happens in the opening sequence that leads you into the film. Again, very brief, but yeah. they're, um, the reason why they made the list for me is because they're such remarkable animation pieces in yeah. film. Yeah. And so. They deserve mention, but not super appropriate for the list. Well, it's in the same token. Like, there's a lot of the um, Monty Python. Like, I think you could come right. up with some Monty Python movies. Yes. But that, again, it's just cut. You know, it's not like the real live animation uh, interaction. Uh, right. So I didn't. I, that doesn't count for me either. Agree. Uh, the The movie this week is going to be hard to come up with a list because I haven't finished it. Um, okay. It's it, the young girls of Rochefort. This is in our series, the musicals of the '60s. I'm I'm assuming this is not one that's been high on your list uh, to of, of having seen. I do not know this uh, movie. This obscure 1967, um, you know, musical. I'm going to look uh, it up right now. But, uh, yeah, the two sisters leave their small seaside town of Rochefort in search of romance. Hmm. Yes, they do. and uh, But it's got a fantastic cast, right? Catherine Deneuve. Deneuve. Uh, and uh, Gene Kelly and... Uh, 
you know, the music is super fun. Um, so it, it's it, it's interesting. But we have these twins who um, apparently are, um, you know, living in this small seaside town, and they're they're singing, and they are. What is what is it that comes from that? This is the most obscure. <laughs> coming up with a list of movies that we uh, based on a movie that we haven't seen or haven't seen um, all of. You could do um, films that are ba- well. So now this is Deneuve and uh, Francoise. I'm wondering if there is a French Francoise aspect Dorliac. here. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, definitely. So, and you haven't seen the film yet, um, but you could do films that. Um, are meant to be in other countries, but actually are English-speaking movies. Well, it's French and English. I mean, okay. it's... Um, Sibling rivalry. So it, it it feels like this is very much a mistaken identity movie, like a mistaken identity comedy. Yeah. Is there a category that is that, that includes mistaken identities uh, that is comedic? Probably Pink Panther movies. <laughs> Yeah. And well that's why I was saying sibling rivalry. If you're talking about like misadventures of siblings or something like that, that could maybe work. Well, uh, okay. It's got to be though without malice. I don't think there's any malice in this movie. Okay. Yeah, so not mm. the good son is what you're telling me. Not the good son or the bad seed. Yeah. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> I the the problem is I get nervous when we think of a of a category and I can't think of one other movie that fits it immediately off the top of my head and I can't think of one other movie uh that that fits the bill. Yeah, it might take me a while too. I think we could come up with something with this whole family mistaken identity thing. Like, oh, you don't know you're in a a you're in my family. You're in my family. You know what I mean? I think okay. there's a thing. I think there's something in there. All right. Mistaken identity movies that involve families. <laughs> so it could be siblings. It could be, um, you know, uncles, brothers, sisters. Could be any combination, but it's got to be a mistaken identity movie where uh, the protagonist or protagonists don't know that they're actually related. I think that's Switched great. at birth movies, those all count. It's going to take me a lot of research to get there, but I think I can get there. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. This is going to really, this is going to throw uh, Andy and Steve. <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure. All right, there it is. Hey, I'm so glad you uh, you jumped up. Uh, me too. For this this call, JJ. It's good to uh, good to have you on the sat mat. Hope it's uh, hope it's not the last. Because Every chance it's I can to talk, I will for All sure. Right. All right. And thank you, everybody, for uh, supporting the show. If you're listening to this, you are a, a, a valued patron in our Patreon uh, community. We sure appreciate you being here. And, and thanks so much for joining us this morning uh, on the big show. Thank you. Good talk. Have a great weekend, JJ. See you later. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. 
If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.